Good morning to you. I'm Carl Bowden, one of the stewards here at our church, and it's good to be with you today. And also welcome to those who are joining us on Facebook Live, and I see the children getting up. Children, you are dismissed to go to Children's Church today. Glad that you're here today. Today my topic is, is Jesus Lord of your life or are you? I learned quite a bit about lordship through the disciplines of my father. I learned quite a bit about lordship through the disciplines of my mother. Let me explain what I mean. I learned pretty quickly that my parents were in charge and it was in my best interest to do what they told me to do. I found out too quickly that there were consequences of disobeying and violating my parents' no. I also learned that their yes meant yes and that their no meant no. I also learned pretty quickly that if I put up a fuss when they told me no, or if I disobeyed, that I would get spanked and sent to my room. As I got older, the punishment I got from my parents was age-appropriate, unpleasant, and I thought twice about doing whatever the bad stuff was again. I also learned that if I tried to argue with them, that the punishment got harder and more unpleasant. I learned that I was under the authority of my parents and that if I disobeyed them, there would be consequences. The most dreaded words used by my mother were, I called your father about XYZ that you did this afternoon. He will be, quote, talking to you when he gets home from work. Too often, I talk back to my mom. I tried to argue with her, speak disrespectfully to her, or something like that. Or I had gone somewhere I wasn't supposed to go, or I was unkind to my little brother, and he had tattled on me. The talking to that my dad had with me usually meant that I would get spanked by him. His method was the long-handled wooden clothes brush. My dad was in the U.S. Army. He wore a uniform to work every day. Every evening, when he got home from work, he would use that long-handled wooden clothes brush to brush his uniform off before he hung it up in the closet. That wooden clothes brush often found its way to my rear end. <laughs> oh, and then there was his belt. I also got spanked plenty of times with the belt, and sometimes he would stand and pop it. 
pop the belt in front of me, and then I would get it. My mother's favorite spanking tool was a switch, usually a branch from the willow tree in the backyard. When she spanked me, if I held my hands behind my rear end to try to block the hit, then she would spank me harder or more. I also learned as a young boy that the reason they told me no, don't run out in the street, but stop, look both ways before you cross the street, was because they were trying to protect me from danger. Those kinds of no's were for my own protection. Or the no's I got as a kid when my parents told me not to let strangers talk me into getting into their cars or going somewhere with them. Did your parents have those kinds of talks with you about those things? The no was for my own protection, so I wasn't abducted. But I learned that someone was in charge of my life. I learned that my parents had authority over my life. I was under their authority. They were in charge. I was not. And there were painful consequences when I disobeyed them. Those consequences made me less motivated to do those bad things again, whatever they were. I personally believe that one of the problems in our culture is that there are many people who have never been told no. To them, no probably means maybe. They never really had to stop doing what it was they were doing when their parents told them no. They learned that they could outlast, bat those eyelashes, or just outright defy their parents. No one ever crossed them. They always got their way. Unfortunately, that's the response of many people today when stopped by a police officer for speeding or some other violation of the law. They deny that they had violated the law. They make excuses. They shift the blame. They resist. They flee. They put up a fuss and do not stop when told no. So my question for us is, is Jesus Lord of your life, or are you? Is Jesus your boss? For starters, by that I mean, have you surrendered yourself to him? Not just have you confessed your sins to him, repented, and trusted him as your Savior. But are you under his authority? Is he in charge of your life? Can he say no to you and overrule you? And when he does, do you listen to him? Do you stop what you're doing and do it his way? Or when he says no to you, do you brush it off 
ignore his warnings and plow ahead to do your own thing. Well, how do I know that if he said no to me or not? For starters, look at his word. There are plenty of topics and actions that are described in the Bible that are sinful, evil, unhealthy, unwise, advised against, and dangerous. Just read the book of Proverbs for starters. Are you and I staying away from the things that are described in places like Proverbs? Are we paying attention to the caution, danger, do not enter signs in our lives? Or do we play with the danger? Do we play with the temptations? And you fill in the blank for your own life. You know yourself. You know your temptations. You know the weaknesses that you deal with. And by the way, all of this content has been spoken to me by the Lord about me. So I'm not, I'm not just addressing this to you. These are things that God has confronted me with before I'm sharing them with you. Stop and think with me for a minute about the Lord's Prayer and a phrase that's part of that prayer. It goes like this. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not just out there in the earth, but close in. Let your kingdom come right here in my life. And on the flip side, when the Lord Jesus says, yes, do this, are you and I ready to say, yes, Lord, I will do what it is that you are showing me. There are examples in Scripture of people who sought God's will and guidance before they just charged ahead with their plans. The first example is in James chapter 4, verses 13 through 15. I'm not sure whether you see it behind me or not. This is in the New Living Translation. It says, Look here, you who say, today or tomorrow, we are going to a certain town and we'll stay there a year. We will do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. So in your life and my life, are we overly confident of our well-laid plans or do we slow down long enough to ask the Lord for his guidance before we just launch out and do something? Is there a three-second delay where we're praying and asking God for wisdom? Another example is the Apostle Paul. He traveled as a missionary in Asia Minor, had several missionary journeys. I'm not going to read it for you, but Acts 16, verses 6 through 12, talks about 
one of the experiences that Paul had where he was warned by the Lord, no, don't go to that place. And then shortly after that, God said, yes, go to that place. The vision of the Macedonian man. Perhaps you're aware, you're, you can remember that story where the Macedonian man appears to, to Paul in a vision. Go over there. Go to Macedonia. Well, by the way, Macedonia is part of Greece. Well, by the way, Greece is Europe. So the yes of God to Paul was to go to Europe with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Aren't we glad that Paul listened to that yes from God? Another scripture passage that illustrates a man who respected Jesus' authority and will was in Luke chapter 7, verses 6 through 10. The centurion and the story of the healing of the centurion's servant. Just as background, the centurion was a Roman soldier who commanded 80 to 100 soldiers. He was used to giving orders. He asked the Jewish leaders to ask Jesus to come and heal his valued slave. So Jesus was on his way to do that when the centurion found out that he'd sent friends to say to Jesus, this is verse 6 through the end of that chapter, or that section, Lord, don't trouble yourself. I am not worthy to have you here. Just say the word, and my servant will be healed. And when the centurion's friends returned to the house, the slave had been healed. So the centurion respected Jesus' authority. He respected his lordship. And by the way, the Greek word for Lord is kurios. Lord, just don't trouble yourself. Just say the word. So when he says Lord, the Greek word is kurios, which means supremacy, supreme in authority, God, Lord, Master, or Sir. Do we think of God as a Sir? Hopefully we do. He is Lord of all. And so I ask again, are you and I willing to let the Lord have authority over our lives? Have you and I surrendered our lives to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? Are you Lord of your life? Are you still firmly in charge? Or have you asked Jesus to sit on the throne of your life? Or do you sit on the throne with Jesus sitting off to the side somewhere? As far as my life goes, I first surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ in 1973. And then 1974, and then 1975, and then 1976, and then 1977. Well, you get the idea. And in the year 2022, I'm still surrendering my life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ every day. 
consistently, Lord, this is your day. This is the day that you have made. I choose today to live my life for you today. Be Lord over my thoughts. Be Lord over my way, my steps today, every day. My life belongs to him. He can rule and overrule in my life. I'm talking about a daily act, a daily prayer, one day at a time. He was Lord of my life yesterday. Today is a new day. I want him to be Lord today. We don't know about tomorrow, folks. We pray that tomorrow will come, but we're living today. Let Jesus be Lord of your life today. So to couch it a bit differently, who owns you? Do you belong to you or do you belong to Jesus? Or are you a bondservant, a slave of Jesus Christ? Those two words, bondservant and slave, are not popular words in our culture. Have you noticed that? We want to be our own boss. We want to be the master of our own lives. We want to call the shots. We don't want anybody telling us what to do. We, we have a hard time giving in to the Lord if he directs us to do something that we don't want to do. Is there, are you out there? Is this resonating with you at all? And by the way, if, if you agree with some of the things that I'm saying, you can feel free to say amen. 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 Because you know what the word amen means? It means yes, verily, or you just spoke the truth. So if you feel like saying amen, please join in. Plus, it helps me know you're awake and listening. Um, there are several well-known New Testament people who refer to themselves as servants, bond servants, or slaves of Jesus Christ. For starters, Paul, James, and Jude. Now, in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 5, and I think the AV team is going to flash that up so you can see it. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 5 says this. This is Paul speaking. You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. And again, that Greek word for Lord is kurios, which means master, Lord, or sir. And the Greek word for servant is doulos, which means slave or servant. So we preach Jesus Christ is Lord and ourselves as bondservants. That goes against the grain of our culture. But that's the conviction of Paul as he was writing it here. And not only was Paul a bondservant of Jesus Christ, but he's saying we see ourselves as your bondservants. The preaching of the gospel, the, the building up of the church, the persecution that he went through. 
He was doing it as a bondservant of Christ and a bondservant because he cared so much about the growing church. Also in James chapter 1, verse 1, and I think you see that verse behind me. In the NLT it says, James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that's not just James being flowery at the beginning of a letter that he wrote as a salutation, somehow or other talking about himself as a slave. James was speaking from history, from his own life. He was a slave of Jesus Christ. Again, the Greek word for, for, for slave is doulos, a servant, a slave. Someone who is given to do the will of someone else. Someone who's taking orders from someone else. And then Jude 1, verse 1. And by the way, Jude only has one chapter, so this is perhaps repetitive. But Jude also says, Jude, a slave of Jesus Christ and brother of James. Again, not flowery, introductory words of an epistle, but real words that meant something. A slave of Jesus Christ. Jesus was his Lord. Jesus was his master. But sometimes we get it backwards and we think we are Lord and that God works for us. Sometimes we think that the Lord Jesus is like a genie in a bottle and we think we're the master. We think we, we can say, give me this, give me that. I want this, I want that. We think if we rub the magic bottle just right, that God will pop out of the bottle and say, your wish is my command. But it's just the opposite. We are his servants. His wish is our command. You see the difference? So you, are you and I willing to let him have his way in us? I'm going to get specific. Is Jesus Lord over, and I don't want you to answer these questions out loud, please, in your hearts. Don't, no yeses or noes out loud here, please. Is Jesus Lord over your mind, your will, your emotions, and your body? First of all, your mind. Is Jesus Lord over what you fill your mind with? What you think about? And do you fill your mind with Scripture? What Scripture do you think about? What Scripture do you read? Do you reflect on Scripture? Do you memorize Scripture? Why should I do that? Well, you and I need to be cooperate with him to see our minds renewed. We need to fill our minds with what is part of will help renew them. Here's, here's a passage that I love to think about. It's Philippians 4, verse 8. Maybe you like this, this verse also. And this is in the NIV translation. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, 
whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. To me, when I read that verse, it helps me if I identify something for each one of those traits. For example, the word lovely was used. What is something lovely that you and I can think about? Well, for me, it's things like the surf breaking at the beach, the ocean. That's refreshing to me. Is that refreshing for you? To think about that as a lovely thing. Or a waterfall in the mountains, the mountains of North Carolina, or the Virginia, or whichever mountains you've been to, just to sit and listen to the water rushing over those rocks and the sound and the, the beauty of that kind of a, of a venue. That's lovely. Those are the kinds of things I'm going to think about when I think about something lovely. Of course, having three daughters, I also think, and a, and a beautiful wife, I think of my wife in her, in her bridal gown, I think of my daughters in their bridal gown, and that's pretty lovely also. Their, their beautiful gowns, the, the days that they were married. But it would help if we can think of examples for each of these and mull them over and reflect on them and meditate on them. And if you haven't memorized any scripture lately, I encourage you to start. This is a good place to start, Philippians 4, verse 8. So, is Jesus Lord of your mind? But also, is he Lord over your will? What happens when Jesus crosses your will? Like I asked earlier, can Jesus tell you no about something? Can he veto you? overrule you and say no about something in your life? What happens inside of you when the Lord wants you to do something that you do not want to do? Sometimes we grumble and we go, ah, ah. but hopefully we listen and we bend and we give in. We yield to his will. Sometimes when he shows us something, our response is to say, I'll think about it. I'll take it under advisement. But when we say things like that to the Lord, do we realize who we're talking to? The Lord of the universe. We're going to tell the Lord of the universe who just showed us something to do his will. We're going to say, I'll think about it. I'll take it. Who are you going to take it under advisement to? There's no one greater than God that you can take it to, and it's not you. You and I are not bigger than God or wiser than He is. Let our wills bend to His will. Well, here's another good one Is Jesus Lord over your tongue? The things you say, and please don't answer this question out loud. But in James chapter 3, James says that our tongues are a small body part, 
but they can cause big problems. In verse 3, he says, we can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. Our tongues, a small thing that can say damaging, hurtful things, or that can say encouraging, positive, and things that build up. To follow the horse and bit analogy a bit, a bit further, a little further, can the Lord lead you where he wants you to go? Or are you and I unbridled like a wild horse? A wild horse that doesn't have a bridle or a saddle. Too often, we don't want anyone to bridle us. We don't want anyone to put a saddle on us. We want to be unrestricted without any restraint to do what we want, when we want, for as long as we want. Does that sound anything familiar to our culture? I pray that if that's our attitude, that we will be willing to surrender that to Christ. Another question for you. Is Jesus Lord over your emotions, your feelings, both the good ones and over the things that make you angry, the people that you are mad at, offended by, and have not forgiven? Are you willing to surrender those things to him? Are you willing to forgive again? Are you willing to let him into that place in your emotions? Another question, is Jesus Lord over your body? In Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, I think you have the scripture coming up. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2 in the NLT say, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And so as we think about that passage, is your body, are you willing to let your body be a living and holy sacrifice to him? Are you willing to let him live his life in and through you? Are you willing to lay down your life for his glory? As it says in verse 2, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Just as I was addressing earlier about our minds. But is Jesus Lord over our bodies, the, the entirety of our bodies? As I get older, 
I learn more about the frailty of my own body. I've had cancer twice in the last three years on my scalp. The first case involved surgery and a skin graft. The second case of cancer was a different and more serious kind of cancer in my scalp, and it involved 13 radiation treatments at the hospital in Elizabeth City. My oncologist now checks me over and does tests every six months. At first, it was every three months. But I'm glad to report that the results of my tests continue to show that I am cancer-free. Having cancer got my attention. It made me more aware that I need to keep taking care of my body. I need to let Jesus continue to be Lord over my body. And then one last question, and believe me, this is not an exhaustive list. There's a whole lot more. There's a whole lot more areas that we could look at. But is Jesus Lord over our eyes? Over the things that we look at? Is Jesus Lord over the websites that you go to on the internet? The Facebook pages you look at? Is Jesus Lord over the movies you watch? Carl, you're meddling now. Is Jesus Lord over what we gaze at? This goes for men and women. Men, are you looking at women with purity? Women, are you looking at men with purity? Are you and I willing to change if Jesus shows us that we need to? And so, here are some concluding thoughts. Surrendering to the Lordship of Jesus Christ is not just something for pastors. Surrendering to the Lordship of Jesus Christ is for all of us. We are called to serve Christ. Lordship lordship is not just something for paid Christian staff. Lordship is for you and me. No matter what our occupation, whether we have an occupation or not. Lordship and surrender to him is for all of us. You and I are not exempt. There are no loopholes. Jesus is Lord. Do you agree with that? You and I are not Lord. We are his bondservants, yes? Our agenda needs to be about doing his agenda. We are under his authority. We will go where he wants us to go and will do what he wants us to do. We serve him. He wants to be Lord over all of my life. He is my Lord. I am his bondservant. I answer to him 
It's my job to carry out his agenda, his plans. It's my job to hear, to obey, and to carry out his orders, to do his will. Do you agree with that? Amen. I'd like to close in prayer. And then I was going to ask the worship team to come up, but they're preoccupied today. So after I close in prayer, we're going to sing a final song together. But I'm asking you to respond. Asking you to do business with God. Perhaps something I've said today, the Holy Spirit has pricked something in your heart. And you're reassessing an area in your life. Thinking about something that perhaps you need to surrender to him. Maybe he showed you an area that you need to surrender. You can do that in your seats if you like. Or if you'd like to come up to the front and pray at one of these prayer areas up front, you can do that. But whatever the case, I'm asking all of us to consider how the Lord would challenge us in this area. Would you pray with me, please? And so, Lord, today we thank you that you are Lord of all. You are Lord of my life and our lives. And, Father, we want you to have your way in us, in all of us. We want you to have your way in our minds, in our wills, in our emotions, in our words, in our bodies, in what we do and what we say. We want you to have your way. And Holy Spirit, would you come and would you touch, would you convict, would you challenge each one of us to continue to grow and to cooperate with you in that process. And we pray now in Jesus' name. Amen.